Good evening, everyone, and welcome back. Kicking off uh, our brand new, um, I guess, Elulzman, Elul season, um, new year of Mishmor, new cycle after our three week summer break. I'm uh, sorry, Chumash and Shalant. So we are back in action tonight, up to Parsha Shoiftim here, at the beginning of the month of Elul. And uh, it should be a good Elul for everyone, it should be a good year for everyone. Here for productivity and growth and muchness for all of us. L'chaim. L'chaim. Okay, so Parsha Shoftim. We have a uh, pasuk over here. All the way in the beginning, the Parsha Shoftim begins with what it sounds like, which is um, admonishments and instructions for the justice system, Jewish justice system. Shoftim v'shoytim titan l'chol v'chol sharecha. Point justices, judges. And people to enforce, policemen, people that will enforce the law. wherever we live, the should carry out justice with justness. Second puzzle, We have to have a system of justice which is fair and accurate. You can't pervert justice. Don't show favoritism to anyone. Don't take a bribe. For a bribe has very, very uh, damaging effects. You take a bribe, it blinds the eyes of the wise, and it, 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 it confuses, it perverts the words, words that are straight. So taking bribes, we all know, the reason you give a bribe is because you want to throw, throw the psak, you want to throw the ruling. That's why someone gives a bribe. The Torah is telling you, judge, don't take a bribe, because once you take a bribe from somebody, you're going to be influenced and affected. And we'll see Rashi in a moment. You can't even take a bribe to, uh, even if I pledge and promise that I'm going to give fair, just, and accurate psak, it doesn't make a difference. Once that money crosses palms, once somebody gave me money, it's going to influence me, it's going to affect my ruling, and therefore, you're never allowed to take a bribe in the interest of having a fair and just psak. Let's look at that Rashi, though. Rashi speaks out over here. Again, this is the second verse. I don't have the English uh, edition in front of me, but if you found the Shaiftim, the second verse, Pasuk test, the second verse in the opening of the parasha, Rashi says, um, You're not allowed to take a bribe. I feel I can't take payments. Even if the guy says, I don't want you to rule in my favor. I'm not giving you this money because you should pass in like me over the other guy. Maybe he's right and I'm wrong, but please accept this, you know, donation of $500 towards your, your Bezdin, $500 towards your synagogue, $500 towards your yeshiva, towards your kailu. Please just take it because you work so hard. You work so hard. I, again, I'm t- I, I want you to give the same sack you would give with or without my bribe, my money, my gift, my donation. Um, but you guys work so hard. You as a dying, you as a judge, you work, please take the money. So that's what Rashi's saying. And that's what the Torah is saying. Even if the guy reassures me, I don't want you to ruin my favor. I want you to go out of your way to, to look out for me. I just want to recognize you. I want to recognize your efforts. You're still not allowed to take a bribe. Why? Says Rashi further. The bribe blinds us. Once we accept a bribe from someone, Once, yeah, thank you. Once you accept a bribe from someone, 
it's impossible that that bribe won't sway you just a little bit, or maybe more than just a little bit. Rashi's giving us, Chazal giving us an insight into human nature over here, which we all relate to this, makes a lot of sense to us. That's why we, 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 we grease palms, right? That's why people that you need to you be on their good side, you know, the garbage men. It's very kadai to give the garbage men. You give them a tip once a year, right? Because sometimes, you know, Cholmoy Pesach, Cholmoy Pesach, you have as much garbage in front of your house as the entire block does, right? All that, the wine, the matzah boxes, Sometimes, you know, you're cleaning house, you're doing renovations, sometimes you put an awful lot of stuff out there. So it's Kedai to keep the garbage men happy. It's Kedai to uh, give gifts to the people in high places that you want them to be on your good side. Everybody knows this principle. Everybody knows this yesoid, that when you breathe somebody's palm, there's a payoff. He's, he's, gonna, he's going to be swayed in your favor. He's going to be thinking in your best interests. And that's why I, as a judge, am not allowed to accept payment from anyone, even if they're not telling me it's a paskin in their favor, even if they're saying it's for my service. So that's very trivial. We get this, and Chazal certainly get this, and we don't really need a lot of explanation, but I want to look at the last two words of Rashi. Rashi says something very interesting. The last two words, which give a whole different spin to this idea of taking bribes and bribes being influential. It says, again, it says Rashi, Once you take a bribe from somebody, it's impossible for them not to sway me in his direction. And we could have stopped over there. <coughs> Rashi doesn't stop there. Because we understand that. Atkan, this makes a lot of sense. Rashi says, it's impossible that it's not going to sway us. Lahapech b'schusoy. Lahapech b'schusoy. To look for something in his favor. Lahapech b'schusoy means to go out of our way to find a defense for the guy. To find arguments for him. To find something that makes him meritorious. To find something that's on his side. So it's very interesting and fascinating a little bit that Rashi concludes with those two words. Because Rashi could have just said that once I take money from someone, someone gave me a gift, there's got to be a kickback. You know, what, comes up, what goes up must come down. And if the guy gave me something, something I've got to give him something back. So I'll find a way to paskin like him. Rashi doesn't say that I'll just paskin like him. Rashi says, I'll be mahapich b'schusay. I'll go out of my way creatively to find something that he did right, to find a place where he is meritorious. In other words, I'm not just going to try to throw the sack, ignore the evidence, which is what we would say, right? I'll, I'll, I'll just, I won't let that guy talk. I'll, 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 I'll silence his lawyers. I'll throw out the evidence. I'll dismiss the case. And that way I can pass him like this guy. That's what we would have expected. Rashi says, no, the guy who gave me the bribe, I'm going to Find a reason why he should be meritorious. I'm going to be mahapich b'schusay. I'm going to find a reason, a good argument, as to why he really should win. Why he really should win. I'm going to push myself to find something good about him. I'm going to push myself to find something meritorious about him. I'm going to push myself to find something favorable about him, but something real, something real, not something that's made up. I'm not. In other words, it's not. Maybe we wouldn't even say this is throwing the case as much as. I'm going to try to do whatever I can to emphasize this guy's zchusim, something good about the guy. So this, if we, if we extend this and we work with this, a, a really a very powerful and, and um, fundamental principle comes out of this. Right? That's principle, insight, an insight. And something I think that we can use ourselves in real life, um, even without being judges, and even in a way that's not prohibited, but it's actually permissible. Rashi gave us such an insight over here into, into the bigger picture. The guy who took the bribe, so, so uh, Ruven is the judge, 
and he took a bribe from Shimon. Shimon has an, is having a dinner with Levi. Rashi's saying that it's not that Ruvain is going to just throw the case <coughs> and, 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 and um, give a, a, an incorrect psak and give a wrong psak and again, just, just ignore things and throw Levi out because he wants to pass it in Shimon's behavior, or in Shimon's behalf. He's going to find things that are favorable about Shimon. He's going to find a way that Shimon really should win. He's going to find schusim, in short, that Shimon really does have. Why? <clears throat> because Shimon, by him, is now a good person. He's a good person. Shimon's a good person. And good people are in good standing. Why is he a good person? Because, look, he, he benefited me. He did something good for me. He, he recognized my hard work. He gave me a, a gift. He gave me a, a donation towards my institution over here. He helped my kid get into a yeshiva. He did something for me. But if he did something for me, he's a good guy. If he's a good guy, he must have, he must have good things on his record. He must have a good side to him that I just haven't seen yet. And that's why she says, I'll be ma'hapich b'schusay. Ma'hapich really means to turn over and over and over. I'll dig up, I'll dig around until I find something good about this guy. Because he's clearly a good guy. Why is he a good guy? Because he did good, something good for me. He helped me out. He benefited me. He gave me something. He did something for me. If he's a good guy, he does good things. If he does good things, he must have other good things on his record. I'm going to find a way to make sure that he's going to win because of the good things that he already possesses. So this is something that before he gave me the bribe, I might have looked at him as you know, the wicked witch of the south, of the west, of the east, of the northeast. The wicked witch of the northeast. And this guy's a bum, he's a Russia. He's going to lose, he's going to have to lose. I'm not going to see anything good about the guy. But the moment that in my outlook, he became a good guy, and why is he good? Because he did good things for me. Then I'm necessarily going to find good things about the same guy. I'm going to see things that I didn't see before, but real things. But this itself, even though I'm going to see real things that I didn't see before, I'm going to see real good things that he has on his, to his name real merits that he really has, I'm still not allowed to do that when it comes as a result of seeing a, taking a bribe because I have to be able to see everyone equally. I have, to see, I have to see both litigants fairly in equal light. And if I'm going to see one of the litigants in a more favorable light than the other, that's also prohibited because it's unfair now and, and justice has been tampered with. So we put this all together. And the fascinating insight that emerges here from the Rashi is that it's not a pshat, it's not a pshat that the bribe gives someone an unfair advantage in that I'm going to go out of my way to make sure they win. That's not really what it is. It, the guy who gave me a bribe has an unfair advantage, yes, but in the fact that I'm going to see only his favorable marks and not the other guy's favorable marks. I'm only going to see where, what makes him a good guy in a real way. I'm, not going to, I'm going to be overlooking what makes the other guy a good guy but I'm going to see what he really has. I'm not just going to try to invent and fabricate things. I'm going to see his real attributes and, and accolades that make him into a good guy, make him very favorable. I'm not going to see the other guy's real favorable pra- uh, uh, accolades and attributes. So it's still an unfair advantage, but it's not a made-up one. It's an unfair advantage that I'm only... I see both people favorably. I see the good in both people. I only see the good in this guy. So this is, you know, changes the whole take, the whole outlook on what a bribe is. Should take bribes from both sides. What? Should you take bribes from both yeah. sides. Yeah, theoretically, but, but equally, you know, he basically saying money. Everybody wants. Yeah, yeah, theoretically, theoretically, you should be able to base on what we're saying. You can settle in such a favorable. You should way be able to, but the Ma'aseh the Torah made it also. 
The Torah said bribes are usher. But based on what we're saying... It doesn't say that... I mean, but it says you can look at with God. She's supposed to look at with God during the waters. And she's supposed to look at everything. So... It's like, what is it? The money's going to make you look Gives me an extra push. Gives me an extra push. There's no money there, they're not doing the job. Or is it a basin? Like, what is what is this? Gives me an extra push. I have an extra push. I have. To, I do my best, very best job as a dying to always to see, to see, um, to see, uh, but see, let's take it a step further. As a dying, I always want to, I mean, you know, the Pirkei Obis says that when two people come in to approach the judge for Psaac, when they come in, it actually says the opposite. You should look at them as they're both guilty, and when they leave, you should look at them as they're both innocent. Um, here, and this is really the reason why we don't take a bribe from both sides, um, we should always be seeing the, the, the uh, you know, the good in everyone, the positivity in everyone, all the favorable things in everyone. We should. But when you're a judge, you also have to see, you have to, like, see the facts for what, for what they are. You have to see the case for what it is. It could be this guy... Is, is, is the most amazing, wonderful person in the whole world, but he might actually be wrong. He might have actually done something wrong. So we, we, we actually don't want to... In, in, in the courtroom... So I do have to modify a little bit what I said before. I said, you know, the unfair advantage of the shaykh is I'm only going to see the good in this guy. I'm not going to see the good in the other guy. The emphasis is we don't want an unfair way... It, it's unfair to really go out of our way to see <coughs> the good in anyone because I don't want... My my passive outlook on humanity clouding my, you know, my litvisha lumdis, my analytics of the case. I want to be able to analyze the case, and maybe maybe this guy, you know, he's a great guy. I love him. He's a wonderful person, wonderful member of the community. But maybe it really was his fault that you know he hit the other guy's car in the parking lot. Maybe it really was his fault. As as wonderful as he is and as amazing as he is, maybe he's really at fault. Sometimes you're really at fault. So to bring in the favor of blit, favorability into the into the courtroom is actually already not so good, but here it has an extra unfair advantage in that I'm only seeing the good in one guy, not the other guy. I see you as a good guy. I'm going to try to make sure that you come out as innocent, not guilty, because good people really can't be guilty. But that itself is, is that it's not 100% good, um, because sometimes good people are guilty a lot. There's a lot of denator that don't have to do with being a tzaddik or a rasha, being good or bad. It just have to be with being chayv uh, or potter, and chayv or potter is not always a function of being good or bad. That's really why, to answer Lenny's other, earlier question, we don't take a bribe from both sides. Um, because it's not about positivity and favorability. It's about, you know, what happened according to Baba Kamo? What happened according to Shulchan Aruch? What happened here according to Cheshun Mishpat? You know, did you, did you, you know, are you at fault? You're not at fault. And being at fault is not always a function. Many times it's not a function of are you a good guy or you're not a good guy. So we do want to always have a positive outlook on humanity, see the good in everyone. But in the courtroom, and that's exactly, again, why it says in Pirkei Avis. Pirkei Avis, it says... Tells a judge, when two people come in for a dentura, you have to see them both as if they're both guilty. What's the idea behind that? This is not a time for, for, for good be. This is not a time for saying, every, saying everyone's a tzaddik. I, I have to see the facts. I have to see the facts with accuracy. I have to be able to break the case down to the basics from a very, you know, lumdisha perspective. Talmudics. Um, so so we, it's not the time to, you know, to be like what we call dan lekav schus. Dan lekav schus is outside the base measure. It's outside the basin. That's why we don't take a bribe from both parties. But that's what's going to be happening over here psychologically. What's going to be happening psychologically is that this is a good guy because he did good things for me. If he did good things for me, he's clearly a good guy. If he's a good guy, I'm going to be inclined to see the good in him. That is the psychological necessary outcome. I'm going to be inclined now to see the good and not the bad. And we can't have that in Besden. Uh, that, that is so relevant for us, Rabbi Say, because we're not in Besden. We're not judges. 
We're not shoiftim and we're not the policemen either. You know, as much as we like to think we are. Right? We're not the judges. We're not the shoiftim. We're not the shoitrim. We're not the enforcers, nor are we the people who, who pass judgments. We are supposed to see the positive in everyone. And we are supposed to try to see the good in everyone. We do want to be mahapich b'schus everyone. We want to go out of our way to try to see everyone as having a good side and being a good guy. That's what we would like to do. We want to be able to see the good in everyone and see that everyone is a good guy. We don't want to be walking around saying, well, he's a good guy, he's good, but that's a bum, that's a Russia, that's, I hope he doesn't come to my bar mitzvah. I hope he doesn't come. Uh, uh, you know, and I hope I don't have to go, I'm going to run to this guy. I hate this guy's guts. I don't, you know, I don't have to schmooze with this guy. Can't stand to be in the same room with this fellow. We don't want that. Everyone, nobody really likes that. We want to be able to see the good in everyone. And we have an insight here from the parasha how to see the good in everyone. Everyone, everyone, and this is another Mishnah, elsewhere in Pirkei Abbas, everyone has <coughs> something to contribute to society, really. Everyone has something to share. Everyone has something to give. Everyone has something to offer. And by extension, everyone has something that I can benefit from. Whether that's, you know, I can... Uh, he has, 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 has wisdom in a certain area. Whether that's just... He has, he has interesting um, ideas on a certain topic that it would be interesting to hear. Or, you know... He has something to share with me that, that, that only he can share. And, and, and beyond that, you know, actually benefiting me, actually, going, actually contributing to, to, to my life, to my world, or to, to, to society. Everybody has something to offer. Everyone has something to give. And the first step, and, and really the, the uh, secret weapon, the tool over here, into allowing ourselves to have a positive outlook on humanity, see people in a good light, to see them favorably is to see the good in them. The way to see the good in them is to see that they're good people. And how do we see that they're good people? They do good things. They do good things. There's a way to see in everyone how they, they do good things. Everyone's doing something good. And even if it's not to me personally, even if Taka, this is that guy that I'm saying to myself, I really don't want him by my simcha. I really hope he doesn't come. And, and you know, to think things like that is such an awful, rotten thing that nobody feels proud of themselves when you, you know, I, I hope, I, I see a guy walking down the block a few blocks away from me. I hope he, he, I hope we don't have to cross paths because this is the guy I don't have to engage with. This guy I don't have to talk to. Nobody feels good about themselves when you have people like that in your life. We all want to be able to see the positivity, positivity in everyone. How do we trick ourselves into doing that? By seeing that everyone's a good person. By seeing <laughs> in everyone's house. How do we see the good in everyone? By seeing that they really do good things. And the, the first and most obvious place to, to look for that is in my life. Where are they doing good things for me in my life? How are they helping out me, contributing to my life, doing good things for me? And even if I can't find anything they're doing for me, nothing good they do for me, they're doing something good for somebody. Nobody is 100% a bum. Nobody is 100% just a Russia, a bona fide, you know, just uh, um, scum of the earth. There's nobody like that, really, that, that we know that lives in our communities, that lives in our, 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 our folds. That, that's just bako miko a bad person. Everyone's doing good for someone, even if it's not, even if I don't get anything out of him. Maybe he has nothing positive to contribute to me, to, to his spouse, to his kids, to his workers, to his shul. You know, the guy could be a bum over here, but he gives generously to Daka. That's a 
that's a that's a very nice thing. I, see, he's he's benefiting. He's doing something good over there. Or he could be very tight versus in shul. But he's very generous with his kids. He loves. Look how much he loves his kids. Look how much he, how much he loves his family. Look how important family is to him. When we see that someone does good things, and we focus on the good things that they do, they do good things. So if he does good things, by definition, he's a good person. If he's a good person, I'm going to see him in a good light. That's really the, the secret technique over here. Not just to train ourselves to see the good in everyone. That's difficult to do, because if I've already associated this person with being a, a bum, being a bad guy, it's hard, oh, but see the good, see the good. That's hard to do that. The, the way to do that is by taking the inside of the shaykhah, the shaykhah, the inside of the bribe, and seeing that he does good things. That's how you come to see the good in someone. He does good things. If he does good things, people who do good things are good people. And if I have him labeled now in my mind, psychologically, as a good person, I'm going to see the good in him. I'm going to see him in a favorable light. So we can all do that. If anyone, if any of us have those people in our lives, hopefully we don't. But we have someone in our lives that we, we just... We don't, we don't find his company pleasant. We don't find their presence appreciated. We just relate to them as a bad person. And we're not proud of that. So the way to work that around and to change our whole attitude towards them is to look for good things that they do. They do good things. And all the, especially, I can find something to do good that's good for me, personally, uh, an employee of mine, a co-worker of mine, that, that is the most powerful way of doing this. Something good that they do for me. But even if it's for anyone, but I can identify something they do that's good, they do good things, they're a good person. If they're a good person, I see them in a good light, and the boat turns around. Okay, let's speak out one more idea. In the very next sequence of Psukim over here, it talks about the Asherah tree. Two Psukim back to back. Don't plant an Asherah tree next to the altar of God, next to Hashem's Mizbeach. In the Beis HaMikdash, there's the Mizbech, they brought sacrifice on, you can't plant a tree over there. Trees that were worshipped by God, you can't plant it. And then it says, You can't build a bama, a one-stone altar. Hashem hates that. The Goyim used to bring sacrifices just on one big, like a monolith, one big stone. So when we make an altar to bring sacrifice to God, it has to be multiple stones, it has to be made out of bricks. There's special Allah in the Torah like this. That we can't bring it... What? Hashem hates it. That, that was the practice of the Goyim of old. When they did idol worship, it was on, you know, like a Stonehenge kind of thing, like a big metal, a big stone slab. On slab, that's what they made their sacrifices on. So Hashem hates that. So we can't bring sacrifices to God on a matseva, a one stone altar, nor can we plant trees next to the Mizbeach. Hashem says not to do that. Why can't we plant trees next to the Mizbeach? So certainly you can't plant an Avodah tree. But Rashi brings down... Even if I'm going to plant a tree not for Avodah Zarah. I, I, I don't want to plant it for Avodah Zarah. I just want to plant a tree here. I want to have trees in the base of Mikdash. Trees are nice. They're pretty. We still can't plant it there because, again, the guy worship trees. We can't have that. One of these nice pine pine trees right there with all the tinsel right next to the Mizbeach. You're not allowed to do that. Even if I'm not doing it for Avodah Zarah. Right. The type of tree or was it just the function of the tree, the purpose of the tree? Yeah. So you could plant fruit trees then? No, you can't plant any tree. So this issue is extends to any tree. You're not allowed to plant any tree. Because according to the you can worship any tree, right? What? According to one opinion, any tree you can worship. Right, any tree has the status of an Asherah tree. That Asherah doesn't mean a specific species. It exactly just means the function. So you can't have any trees 
planted in the in the uh, courtyard of the base of Mikdash, and they actually the Gemara <coughs> further. You can't actually even have any wooden structures there. Not only can't plant trees, you can't build a log cabin. A log cabin cannot be built in the courtyard. So all the structures would have to be then made which out of stone. Which is what they were made out of. Marble, gold. Um, this is actually a fascinating discussion that Mepharshim have. What do, they, what do they do in the base of Mikdash sukkah's time? What do they do sukkah's time in the base of Mikdash? What? The Kayanim had to, there's certain carbons that had to be eaten only in the courtyard. And the Kayanim had to work year-round, including sukkah's. <coughs> so they, they had to eat the, the meat, the goods. You can say meat, you don't have to eat meat in the sukkah, but they also had the menachas, the, the, the bread offering, the meal offerings, the, the uh, flour and oil. What do they do during sukkah's? To eat the menachas, were they eating outside of a, a, of a sukkah all seven days because they're not allowed to make a sukkah? Or is there a way of saying that building a sukkah in the, in the courtyard does not, does not violate this? It's actually, so that's actually one of beautiful. That's one of the, one of the svars that's offered is that maybe, maybe this doesn't cover a temporary structure. A sukkah is a temporary structure. It's not planted. But it's, 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 a, it's, a big, it's a big discussion. That's one of the svars that's thrown out there. What? It's not planted. No, but the Gemara makes it clear that it doesn't have to be planted. Any wooden structure is forbidden. A log cabin. You can't make a log cabin in the Azar. Can you use the wood inside the structure for walls? You can use wood, sure. Okay, okay. Oh, oh, inside the structure? Yeah, inside the structure. If the frame is made of wood, no, you can't. If you're using it for building, you yeah. can't. No, nothing in, nothing in, the, in the base of the was constructed out of wood. It's all concrete, um, marble, and metal. Gold, gold and other alloys. So they they use metal. Actually, the, the Mizbeach was made out of poor concrete and wooden frames. The Gemara... And Zvachim gives a whole description. Anyway, it's, it's, it was exactly how they make the construction, modern day Eretz Israel. Have seen how they do that? They take these two by fours, they make frames, and they get these huge concrete trunks, mm-hmm. trunks, and they just pour concrete pour, okay. inside the frames. All the, all the, the, the um, every single building there, every single house is made out of poured concrete, which I guess on the one hand can stand Hasron missile attacks much better than the uh, you know, drywall and studs over here. But on the other hand, Anyone that makes renovations in Eretz you want to reconfigure your house. Good luck. That's right. Good luck to you and good luck to everyone else in your apartment building. <laughs> we had that twice when we were living in Eretz Twice we came back to find debris, like all over the where there were the ceilings were, were caving in from the people with the drills and the sledgehammers upstairs. They had to smash the walls down. These steel reinforced concrete walls. That's how they do the construction over there. First they have demolition. What? First you gotta demolish a guy to, to, to Yeah, you demolish the, every, your, your apartment a lot more too. So what do they do for structures then? In the base of Mikdash. Yeah. So it's a whole discussion. A whole discussion. So that's allowed. What they did, what they did. A whole whole discussion. Lenny actually hit upon one of the arguments, um, which is that maybe since it's only a temporary structure, it's not, it's not a problem. Maybe the Torah says you can't make wooden structures, maybe it's only a permanent structure, but a temporary structure would be okay. But that one I was standing. Okay, getting back to the Pasik, I was just exploring a little bit uh, the, the, uh, the ins and outs over here of not making, uh, not planting trees. So you can't plant any tree even if you're not going to worship Rabbi Dezaro. And you can't even build wooden structures. So two looking back to back. You can't have trees next to the Mizbeach, with or without the tinsel, and you can't have one stone <laughs> altars. Because Hashem said, both these things were used for Rabbi Dezaro, so I don't want them, I'm not interested. What's interesting, what I'd like to point out is the Torah, when it prohibits this, it uses the same word twice. It says, Lecha, for yourself. Don't plant for yourself a tree next to the Mizbeach, and don't build for yourself a one-stone altar that God hates. 
It says twice, Lecha. Listen, Loisita, Lecha Ashera. Don't plant for yourself a tree next to the Mizbech. Myself? I'm not doing it for me. Don't build for yourself a one stone altar that God hates. Again, Lecha. What, 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 what's the Torah saying? For yourself? For yourself? It's not for me. I'm not making an altar for myself. I'm not doing it for people to come bring sacrifices to me. I'm building this to bring sacrifices to God. I want to bring Karbanis to the Rebbein Don't make for yourself an altar. Don't plant for yourself a tree. I'm making this tree because it's nice to have trees. Nice to have greenery in, in, in the Azara. I'm not doing it for myself. Why is Torah saying twice? Don't do it for yourself. Good. Hashem can make it usher. Hashem can make whatever He wants usher. Hashem can make this practice usher. But if I'm doing it for you, God, why are you telling me not to do it for myself? Well, this is funny Lushan twice. So there's such an amazing insight here from the Torah. The Torah is saying the following. Who's the Torah talking to? The Torah, the Torah is talking to, per, to the person who's doing it for God. The Torah is talking to, that, to, talking to that Yid who's making this one stone altar to bring Karbanas to God and saying, God, I know the guy uses, but it would be so beautiful to take that very device of the guy used for Avodah Zara and to bring it back to worship you. God, I know that guy plant trees and worship them for Avodah Zara. And all my neighbors have these trees in their living rooms, be decked with, with, with all this nice sparkly stuff. But God, I want to plant this tree next to the Mizbech for you. I'm doing this for you. It would be so beautiful to have the, the Azara, the courtyard decorated with, with, with greenery, festooned with, with fir trees. It would be so beautiful. I'm doing it for you, God. That's who we're talking to, the guy who is doing it ostensibly for God. The Torah is saying back, make no mistakes. I don't want this. And I didn't ask you for this. And in fact, I asked you not to do this. I don't want trees next to the Mesamik, next to the next to the Mizbech. I don't want you bring sacrifice to me on a one stone altar. I don't want it. I'm not interested. Ah, you want to serve me? Who's in charge of defining serving God? Us or God? God. God is in, in, in charge of the definitions of worshiping God, of serving God. Hashem made the Torah, Hashem made the Tariq mitzvahs, and Hashem is telling us. You want to serve me, come and listen to what I'm interested in. Listen to what I want. My terms, what I'm looking for. You come already with your ideas, you come with your own notions, you come with how you want to do it. You're not doing it for me, you're doing it for you. You're doing this because it makes you feel good, because it makes you happy, because it gives you satisfaction and gratification. I didn't ask for this, I asked for the opposite. Make no mistakes. You're doing this for you, you're not doing it for me. I didn't ask you for this. I asked you for the very opposite. Amazing, powerful idea over here. And again, a very relevant one. You know, we all have our own ideas about the best way of doing this, the best way of doing that, the nicest way of, of, of this mitzvah, of that mitzvah, the other mitzvah. At the end of the day, the mitzvahs are all there for us to show our allegiance with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for us to serve God, for us to do what Hashem asked us. And... If we want to do what Hashem asks us to do, there's one address to find out what it is that Hashem asks us to do. Go back to Hashem. Go to, open the Shulchan Aruch, open the Mishnah Brura, open the Kitzvah Shulchan Aruch. Rebbe Hashem, I want to serve you in the best way possible. So I'm waiting to, for you to call the shots. You're setting the terms. You tell me how to do it. When I come, the moment I come with my own ideas, but it will be so nice like this, so nice like that, I'll, I'll pull and nip and tuck, twist and, 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 and turn, because I think this mitzvah will be so much nicer this way that's licha. You're doing that for you. You're not doing that for God anymore. You're doing it because it makes you happy. Bottom line is, you want to make Hashem happy? Figure out what it is that Hashem wants from you. And that will make Hashem very happy. Don't come with your own calculations, your own cheshboys. Yeah, but if I wait till such and such to do this mitzvah, it'll be so nice. If I do that, this mitzvah this way, it'll be so much nicer. Yeah, but that's not the mitzvah anymore. That's, not, that's, that's your own ideas. Your own fluff. You're doing it to make you happy. 
That's lecha. And that's what the Torah is teaching us over here. You really want to make Hashem happy, it's the other way around. Rebbe you tell me what you want from me. I'm ready to do it. I want to do it. I want to serve you. And everyone should have a wonderful, amazing Shabbos. Thank you for joining me. Beautiful. All right. Well, I started from Jesus.